there was a guy in the group and his head was down. He wasn't participating at all. And I would have said, you know, he, he was not aware of what was going on. And I was reciting the Longfellow poem. I shot an arrow into the air and his eyes popped open and he said, it fell to earth I knew not where. And suddenly he was with us and participating and it just was a powerful moment for me to see how useful the poems could be. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Last week, we spoke with Judy Banker. She's the past president of the International Academy of Eating Disorders, and she is an expert-turned-professional folk singer after the sudden death of her husband. It's a beautiful interview, and she sings for us as well. Next week, we're going to be speaking with Margaret Zhao. As a child, Margaret grew up in China during the Cultural Revolution and was declared an enemy of the state. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. My guest today is Gary Glazner, poet, founder, and executive director of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. Gary is an internationally recognized speaker and expert on using poetry with people living with Alzheimer's and dementia. NBC's Today Show and NPR's All Things Considered have featured segments on Glazner's work, and he was also recently published in the Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hi, thank you. Hi, everyone. So I think a lot of people want to know how this started, uh, using poetry with people with memory impairments. Can you take us through uh, the history a bit? Yeah, thank you so much um, for having me on the show and for giving me this opportunity. Um, my inspiration for doing this project and the story that I love to share with people is that I was uh, back in 1997, and I was um, I had studied poetry in college at Sonoma State University, and I wanted to um, you know to try to see if I could do something with poetry in the world. And there was an opportunity to apply for a grant, and one of the locations was at an adult day program which was about a five minute drive from where I was working. So I applied mm -hmm. for it and I got it. And because it was so close, I could do it on my lunch hour. And it was, um, I didn't have a particular uh, knowledge or, you know, that not that much interest uh, uh, in Alzheimer's and dementia, but I certainly wanted to see how poetry could be um, brought into the world. And so this moment uh, that happened back then, um, 
is a sort of spark that that brought uh, me to create the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. So I was a happy uh, accident. Yeah, really. I mean, I I might have still been doing this if that this hadn't happened. But but here's what happened. Uh, there was a guy in the group, and his head was down. He wasn't participating at all. And I would have said, you know, he he was not aware of what was going on. And I was reciting the Longfellow poem. I shot an arrow into the air, and his eyes popped open, and he said, "It fell to earth. I knew not where." And suddenly he was with us and participating, and it just was a powerful moment for me to see how useful the poems could be for this community. And so, since that time, I've developed the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, and we've now done programming in 32 states in the U.S. and and in six、uh, different countries internationally. Mm-hmm. Did it take a while for science to catch on and say? Hey, this poetry stuff. This is really working in a way that maybe other interventions do not. I would say that's probably an understatement. <laughs> I, I don't think.、Uh, I think、uh, the vast majority of of people in healthcare、uh, and and the, you know that would identify themselves as scientists、um, certainly are not aware of how to, how poetry can be useful. Or any arts, for that matter. Now it's changing a little bit. There was a great article in the Washington Post that came out last week that was all about using arts and theater, improv, and poetry with people with dementia. And there are、um, little breakthroughs that、um, that I think are are very positive for for people's lives,、uh, and the, so both the family members and the person that. That has the diagnosis of memory loss. Hmm. But it's still not. It sounds like what you're saying is on the edges. People are people are accepting it and embracing it. But even though you got an article in JAMA, which you're probably the only poet who's ever gotten a, an article in、uh, the Journal of American Medical Association, it sounds like what you're saying is it's still not the norm that you would bring in creative expression. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's not the norm, and、um, to its credit,、uh, JAMA has a great arts、uh, section and、uh, publishes、uh, poems and and articles on poetry on a fairly regular basis. And the way that I got invited to submit was、um, I had、uh, participated in a a poetry and medicine symposium. In Chicago last summer, and it was organized by Harvard Medical School and Northwestern Medical School. And、mm-hmm. after my talk, a guy came up. This is always this is a, you know you always want this to happen, and it never happens because <laughs> at the end, a guy came up and he said, "Hey," he goes, "Would you like to uh, publish uh, your talk?" I goes, "I'll work with you, and we, we can." Shape it into a paper, and he goes. Oh, and by the way, I'm the arts editor for JAMA, which you know is is a very、uh, prestigious.、Journal. Oh yes, it is. Yeah, so I was thrilled, and、um, the 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 piece itself、uh, describes the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, which I will describe now too. But it also talks about maybe what's happening at the neurological level, and it really is a call 
for more research um, into using the arts with people with dementia. There has been quite a bit of research, um, especially in England, and I know you're in many different countries, and shout out to England, because mm -hmm. even, even with all the things that are going on with, with Brexit, um, they are uh, far ahead, uh, I think, of most places uh, in using the arts and in studying it. They, they've done a national study um, on using the arts with dementia and creativity, and uh, it's a fantastic study. So we're hoping mm -hmm. to do something like that here. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, they, they do a lot of really interesting initiatives with loneliness and the elderly as well. So oh, sure you know. I was at a conference in Australia, and I'm, I'm forgetting the, the woman's name, but she's, she's the person who like really is pushing that and has written uh, papers about loneliness, which she is, she's quite humorous of, of you know, how she talks about um, that she's going to uh, uh, now talk about loneliness in men, you know. But, but one of the things that's really cool that's come out of that, and do you know this? Have you heard of this movement in arts called the Man Shed? No, tell me. Okay, so this comes out of those loneliness mm. studies. And, um, and, and throughout uh, uh, England and, and uh, Wales and Scotland, they, they're, they're finding uh, ways to creatively engage uh, men who often are resistant to, to going to arts projects. So here's, here's one quick story about that. I, I just love the, love the way that they use the arts. So they, um, in their man shed, they did not say to the men, we have an art project. They said to them, we, um, we need some help. We need some help building ukuleles. And they said, uh, they said, uh, oh, yeah, well, uh, I know yeah, how we to can, do that. We can probably help you out with that. Or a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the blokes like, you know, making things, and we're good with our hands. And so they built the ukuleles, and they said, "Oh gosh, this is so great! Now that we have the ukuleles built, um, you know, would you would you like to help us paint them?" And they said, "Oh sure, yeah, sure, we could." We're paint. here anyway. Might we, as well. Yeah, we could paint them for you. So then, once they were painted, they said, "Well, now that they're painted and built." Would you like to learn to play them? <laughs> and so they went in the back, the back way, and and suddenly they've got this, you know, ukulele uh, orchestra. But um, uh, but this idea of using creativity and um, and man sheds and you know um, ways to reach people with dementia is is powerful. And uh, frankly, I mean, yes, it matters that science. Uh, acknowledges it and but more it, it's it helps to understand what's working possibly how is it working and because we don't actually know the cause at this point of Alzheimer's disease or related dementia although there's many strong theories and they are making progress because we don't know the cause there are opportunities to explore these other ideas and so mm -hmm. In my paper, and this was what was so fun about writing it, so um, it's co-written by, um, by a fellow by the name of Dan Kaplan, who's a sociologist at Adelphi University in New York. And Dan and I are working on research projects and, and trying to write other papers as well. But what he did was, Dan, so, so 
for many years, I have thought when you're reciting poetry, you are um, stimulating synapse, the synapses, right? To, to, mm -hmm. to, to fire. And we know from uh, Eric Kandel's uh, work that he won the Nobel Prize for. We know that at the neurological level, that when memories are created, you're creating new synaptic connections. Mm -hmm. And um, um, so, so this doesn't get too heavy into science. Uh, Nicole, would you like to share with me my little rhyme about neurotransmitters? And, and your, audience can, your audience can say it at home with you. So I'll, I'll say a line of the of the okay. of, this little, of this little poem, and then you Great. say it back to me, and that way we can we can introduce the audience to the technique of call and response, and then we'll we'll, we'll do a little more science talk. Okay? I love it. Love All right. It. So I'm going to say it, then you say it, audience. If you're listening at home, you say it along with Nicole. All right. So here we go. Neurotransmitters are racing through the brain. Neurotransmitters are racing through the brain. Slipping through the synapse like a loose freight train. <laughs> Slipping through the synapse like a loose train. So you just happen to have a harmonica with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always have a harmonica in my pocket. So that's how I remember this idea of synaptic connections. So Candell discovers that the way we create memories are making these synaptic connections. So if, if you remember anything from today, if you're listening to this and you think, you know, a little while later you remember it, you've made a new synaptic connection. Now, if, you, if, it, if it's a very strong connection, it will then go into long-term memory. And so, mm -hmm. so my idea was, and we're doing poetry, and we use call and response. So that's how we perform poems. That's exactly how we do it. I say a line of poetry, or whoever's leading the session, or you can say it with your mom or your, your husband. You know, you can, you can do this at home, too. Uh, or maybe it's, part of your, maybe it's part of your work in, uh, in social uh, field, you know. So... This idea of performing poems together is the core of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. And for years, my, my thoughts were, well, you're firing the synapses and you're creating these connections. And it's, it's you know, what we see anecdotally is the person's affect brightens up. They start mm -hmm. laughing, smiling. They become more social. Mm -hmm. They become, they start to talk with their, their uh, cohorts. And, and, you know, so all these wonderful social things are happening. So but the thing I want to, I, I want to paint this picture for the audience. You're not only doing call and response, Gary, because I've seen you work. You do these riffs and you uh, sort of uh, connect with the patients in a way that's deeply personal. I mean, you're really, you're, you have intense eye contact. You are connecting with them in a way that is very deep. Right. Yes. Yes. And thank you for saying that. So, so we'll let's we'll go into all of those things in a second. But I, I want to finish this point of of what happened with the paper and and what's so exciting about that. So I had this idea of of that's what's going on in the in the brain with people, but I had never thought through of um, what neurotransmitter 
might be being released. And my partner, Dan Kaplan, uh, co-writer on the paper, challenged me and he said, you know, Gary, if we're going to say this, if we're going to say that it releases neurotransmitters, it would be great to know which one it was or which ones. Mm. And so mm -hmm. I started to do some reading and I found a lot of work being done in the auditory cortex. And I found a group of scientists that were stimulating the auditory cortex, not with poetry, not like I'm doing it, but they were just stimulating it with a tone. So they'd play a tone and it would stimulate this auditory cortex. And they found that it released the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Now this is exciting mm. because one of the neurotransmitters that's deficient in people that have Alzheimer's disease ah. is acetylcholine. So they, these scientists have actually gone on to get patents and they're, they're in the process of seeing if this can be a, uh, what, what, what they call in, in, in the, this world is a non-pharmacological intervention, which is <laughs> such a great term. Um, but but so, so we think, the idea that we think is that part of the anecdotal part, right, what you're describing as this strong connection is in part because we're releasing these neurotransmitters. Now, having said all that, the core of it has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. The core mm -hmm. of it is being present with people, saying the poem, playing with them, joking with them, even holding their hand mm -hmm. and moving their hand to the rhythm of the poem mm -hmm. so that you're really making this strong connection. So that's the work. Hi, Zestful Agers. I'll be attending the International Federation of Aging's 15th Global Conference on Aging in November of 2020. And if you're interested in improving your understanding of age-friendly environments, debating solutions to address inequalities, confronting the reality of ageism, and delving into what it means to enable the functional ability of an older person, head over to ifa2020.org to find out more. There's an early bird special on until the end of the year, so take advantage and join me in Niagara Falls. I'll see you there. Okay, you want, shall we do a little bit more? Absolutely. Let's, let's do a little bit more. Okay, listeners, at home, again, I'm going to say a line of poetry, and Nicole will say it back to me. This is exactly how we do it in the sessions. And you can say it along with her, and that way you can, you can learn this technique as well. So here we go. This is, this is the poem uh, Red Rose by the, the immortal poet Robert Burns. So I'm going to reach through my computer screen and Nicole, can you see my hand? It's coming through <laughs> into your room, and I'm reaching out, and I'm holding. Will you take my hand, please? Yes, yes. Okay, I've got your hand. We're holding hands. I'm going to move your hand gently to the rhythm of the poem. Mm -hmm. Listeners at home, you can imagine your hand is being held, or maybe you're sitting with your uh, friend or loved one, and you're actually holding their hand and doing this. All right, we're gently like a little hand dance. We're just moving our hands back and forth. Now I'm going to say a line of poem, a poetry to the rhythm of the movement. So here we go. I'll say it, then you say it. Is everybody ready? Okay. Mm, yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. Mm -hmm. My love. My love. Is like. Is like. A red, red rose. A red, red rose. That's newly. That's newly. Sprung in June. 
Sprung in June. My love is like a melody. My love is like a melody that's sweetly played in tune. That's sweetly played in tune. All right, all right. That, so that was good. How did that feel? Did how did it feel, Nicole? Nice. It's great to say poems with each other, right? We're、yes. making eye contact. We're looking at each other. We're sharing this emotional connection. We're maybe even holding hands. Now let's go one step further, and we're going to add Robert Burns' Scottish burr or his Scottish accent. If you can do this at home, if Nicole, if you can do it, see if you can match the tone and sound of my voice. All right, here we go. Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. All right. My love is like a red, red rose. My love is like a red, red rose. That's newly sprung in June. That's newly sprung in June. My love is like a melody. My love is like a melody that's sweetly played in tune. That's sweetly played in tune. Oh my God! <laughs> you have a great voice. You have you ever thought of signing up for the opera? No, but I have thought of、uh, starting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, great use of your voice. So that's the core of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. You could see quickly. We could add humor. We could add playfulness. We could even add touch, and to make these emotional connections. And what we see in thousands and thousands of sessions, having done this work、uh, for over 15 years now,、um, we see that people have moments of joy, of laughter, of happiness, and this is the core. We can change the story of what it means to have. A diagnosis of dementia.、Mm. Can I just can I pause for a minute? I want to back up because Gary, you're talking about the recipe for this. You're talking about connection. We're holding hands. I have seen you work, and you're going to have to forgive me. I'm a you know we we talked about this before. I'm a psychotherapist. You are in a love bubble when you do this. I you know you are so there, and your joy. And you're, you know, it, it it's like you're just exuding this passion, and it, it looks like you're about ready to lift off the ground. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. And it it, 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 a love bubble. I've never had anyone describe it like a love bubble. I like that. <laughs>、um, I I you know yes, it's a dance. It's a love bubble. Um, it's a way,、um, it, you know. It's it's definitely the more you put into it, the more you get back.、Um, and for me, no matter how I'm feeling before I go into the session, my day has been hard. It's been crazed and running around, you know.、Um, but coming out of the session, there's always at least one moment, and and sometimes many that lift me up. And so、mm -hmm. I get so much out of it. And we 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 do movements and we do songs. We sing,、um, and, and you know we use we use visual arts.、Uh, we use theater improvisation, comedy improvisation techniques to make the session come alive. And even even if someone is in fairly late stage dementia and their verbal skills have been reduced, we still see. Emotional connection happening.
And that is very, very powerful. I imagine that the loved ones of these patients are so delighted and grateful to see that moment maybe of connection and lucidity. Uh, yes, I'll share a story with you about that. One of the gentlemen that I've just loved working with is a fellow by the name of Norman. This is here in Brooklyn, New York, at the New York Memory Center. And Norman loves to sing Frank Sinatra songs. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'll, you know, his joke, his standard joke is, Nicole, they're going to put us on television. <laughs> they're going to put us on the television, Nicole, so they can turn us off. Ah. So that's, that's, you know, we all go, yes, Norman, click, you know, turn us off, click. So Norman loves to sing Frank Sinatra. And one of the, one of the medleys we do with poems and music is to combine the end of the Owl and the Pussycat by Edward Lear, which has the immortal lines, uh, hand in hand on the edge of the sand, we dance by the light of the moon, the moon, the moon, the moon. And then Norman will sing, fly me to the moon. Now, oh. Nor Norman knows that that's his cue. I don't have to tell him, Norman, you're going to sing it. He just knows when he hears the moon, the moon, the moon. He just, you know, fly me to the moon. And we're off to the races. Now, that, that tells you one thing that shows that even in dementia, and Norman's in pretty late stage, he doesn't recognize that he's told you the television joke 10 times. It's always funny, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. that means that he's learning. He, he's learned that. Now, the group at New York Memory Center um, has, has also shown evidence of, of learning. So, so Norman's created a joke with the line that says, darling, kiss me. He's changed it to, don't you kiss me. And so now you've got everybody wagging their fingers and saying emphatically, oh. don't you kiss me. And then they've created a second joke. So they say, don't you kiss me. And then they all shrug their shoulders and they say, why not? So, so it keeps growing on itself. Yeah. And, and, and this is not part of the story that we tell of dementia, that there's moments of learning. So that's, that's part of it, too. So we, have, we can change the story to have moments of joy. It's not going to change the progression of the disease, right? But it can have quality of life and moments of joy. It can even have lifelong learning for people with mm -hmm. dementia, which is powerful. So here's the story. You asked about the family members and what this means to them. Now, Norman's family knows that, you know, he sings Frank Sinatra all the time, so they're aware of that. But they had never seen him lead a group of 30 people in the song. So one, one Saturday afternoon, we were having an event, um, and, and we did the poem, we, and Norman launched into the song. And, you know, I mean, they were blown away. They, they, you know, there was, they were crying, they were laughing. It just was, it just was wild um, to, you know, to have them experience the fullness. Now, Norman, his job was as a stockbroker. So, you know, they're not like necessarily seeing him as this, you know, art, artist, artistic person, right? But there he is leading us all in Fly Me to the Moon. And oh, it was very goodness. powerful. And that, that, you know, that happens on a regular basis. Uh, we, do, we do public events that the families can come to uh, called Memory Cafes. We call ours the Memory Arts Cafe. Um, but uh, and, and sometimes they'll be, um, you know, at the sessions, uh, either in assisted living or adult day programs. 
Mm. Now, I mean, it, it's a lot of intensity. It's a lot of emotional work. And I hear your passion. And I know, you know, you love sort of riffing on this stuff and making stuff up. And it seems like one of your goals is how much fun can we have here? Um, but I'm also wondering about uh, your emotional possible depletion in this that you're seeing I know that there's a lot of joy a lot of positivity but you're also seeing a lot of people who have lost a big part of their lives to these diseases how do you deal with that personally yeah so so that's a big question so so first as opposed to a family member that's known the person throughout their life, right, and, and sees the loss, I only see the person who's in front of me. I see. So I don't have that. I see. And, and it is... Don't, it you is, don't have the context, yeah. It is sometimes harder, harder for the families to, to do this type of things because they, they do see that, and there's no getting around that. But the other thing is, and this is now credit to you, Nicole, there is only more bubbles inside the love bubble. The love bubble is a, is a <laughs> magic machine that creates more love bubbles. You know, it really is a bubble machine. So you're in there and yes, okay, so I admit it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking when you come back and that chair where that person sat for months is empty. Mm. And they tell you, you know, that person passed away. And yes, it is heartbreaking. And so there is that part of the work for sure. And it's not, it's not for everyone. But for me, that love bubble, I'm going to keep using that yeah, term. I, yeah, I just, that was right from the hip, Gary. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Now I have this image of love bubbles. Bamping <laughs> off of your hip, and we're just uh, we're just going. Don't shake your hands. Shake your hands. Don't shake your head. Don't shake your head. Don't shake your lips. Don't shake your lips. Just shake your hips. Just shake your hips. Just shake your hips and let the love bubble fly. Shake your hips, let the love bubble fly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No trouble in the love bubble. Oh, now you got it. Now you got it. So, so you're 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 able. It sounds like for you, there's a way in which you really try to stay present. Um, how do you take care of yourself, though? Because you are, you know, you're inundated. You're, this is your life. You know, you've, you've developed this. It's beautiful. People are really catching on to it. But do you ever just say, I think I'm going to go lay on a beach and read, you know, some trashy novel? Well, uh, that's a coincidence. Um, Last November, I got to be the poet in residence at an arts and health conference in Australia. 
and this Ooh. was a this was a gathering of you know leading leading uh, people from around the world that do this kind of work, including the researchers who did that study mm. in England. Um, they were there and presenting papers and stuff. And Andrew, who, uh, who had who was one of the lead researchers on that, he said the funniest line in the middle of his quite pro you know, proper British research talk. He looked up and he said, "Research isn't boring; it's jolly good fun." <laughs> and so, at the end of the conference, which was so so amazing, it was a little town called Port Macquarie in Australia, below Sydney. I got to go, I, I had time to spend a week, and so I got to go um, to spend the week at a place called Cape Smoky. Now, Cape Smoky is a oh. lighthouse, and they, they now rent out the lighthouse. You can stay in the cottage where the lighthouse keepers used to live, and just oh. below Cape Smoky is a 15-minute walk down to the beach for a week. Mm. A week, the most I ever saw, I ever saw was three people. It was a family of three. Most times there was nobody on the beach. Now, mm -hmm. I don't read trashy novels. I'm not against them. But what I do is, you know, I, I'm a poet. So I, I read, you know, haiku. And so at the beach, you know, this, okay, so I'm going to paint the picture. Your audience, mm -hmm. you have to imagine this. So, so it's miles, miles of pristine golden sand with the deepest, deepest blue and these little white fluffy waves and the mountains are green. And in the mountains, Nicole, I saw for the first time ever, I saw a kangaroo. And oh so- Oh my goodness. I know, I'm walking on the trail and I look and there's the kangaroo and the kangaroo sees me and I see the kangaroo and our eyes meet and I'm thinking, oh my God. Oh. And then I look and I see it has a little baby, the, what they call the joey oh. in, the, oh, in the pouch. Goodness. So that did was Did you wild. whip out your harmonic, harmonica and, and yes. sing? Yes, I did. I said, don't <laughs> shake your hips. By the way, that's, a, that's my version of a Slim Harpo song. You got to give, give credit to Slim Harpo. Um, but but here's the thing. So I'm on the beach. How do how do I relax? How do I how do I recharge my batteries? I'm on the beach, and I am watching the waves crash. And of course, that brings me to my most beloved haiku poem, which is by the the poet Busan. Shall, shall, we, shall we? I think we're getting close to the end. Shall we? Shall we close on a on a haiku, and we'll we'll do this. Uh, oh, we have to. Okay, so first, now you didn't think you're like, well, I'm probably going to be, you know, doing a little Japanese. Well, we'll first do it in Japanese and then in English. And if you actually speak Japanese, you know, please excuse my, my accent and ability. But here we go. I'll say it, then you say it. Everybody ready at home? Imagine the waves are crashing, golden sand, deep, deep mm. blue, and the air. The air is so fresh, and you're just taking a deep breath. Let's all take a deep breath. Here we go. Okay, I'll say it, then you say it. Here we go. Haru no umi. Haru no umi. Hindimoso no tari. Hindimoso no tari. No tari kana. No tari kana. No tari kana. No tari kana. The sea at springtime. The sea at springtime. It rises and falls. 
It rises and falls. Rises and falls. Rises and falls. Notari. Notari. Notari kana. Notari kana. Rises and falls. Rises and falls. Meditation. <laughs> Busan in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, how can people reach you and your beautiful project? They can go to the Alzheimer's Poetry Project has a website. Um, you know, I think the easiest is just to Google Alzheimer's Poetry Project. That'll take you right there. Talks about mm -hmm. all the different kinds of things we do, including a lot of training. A lot of the work is training uh, healthcare workers and family members how to do this. In fact, tonight I'm flying out to New Mexico for the start mm. of a project that's training uh, 20 different nursing homes to do these techniques. And, and starting mm. tomorrow is the first, the kickoff of that, that training. Are you going to be traveling in New Mexico a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to be, oh. I'll be, I'll be mostly in Albuquerque and Taos this time, but, oh, uh, but later it will go all over the state. And I understand they've, they've got about three feet of snow in Taos. So oh. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping all the, you know, that will all work out. <laughs> I'm going to be traveling to Albuquerque to uh, play in the national senior games. I play tennis in June and boy, are there, there's a lot of beauty around there. Oh, Not I have far. to. Oh, I have to I have wow. to introduce you to my my dear friend uh, the poet and teacher Michelle Holland who who um, is is often wins uh, races she's a runner and she she participates mm. in those games and has has gotten some of the, the you know the the gold medals for those those events I'm just hoping I don't get skunked so I'm not looking for the medal. I just want to win one game. The average temperature, 89 degrees. And please don't tell me it's a dry heat because <laughs> when you can't breathe, it doesn't matter. But right. thank you so much for your beautiful work. I have done a lot of podcast interviews and I have never sung on any of them. Oh. Um, but your passion is just infectious and I would just really uh, try to convince all of our uh, our listeners to hop onto Alzheimer's Poetry Project. It is really a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Gary. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. Next week, we're going to be speaking with Margaret Zhao. As a child, Margaret grew up in China during the Cultural Revolution and was declared an enemy of the state. Now she's an inspirational speaker and comedian in California. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. 
Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestful aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.